Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Necessary Evil. Uh, first, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Our numbers are going up like crazy every week, which means that you all are spreading the word, and I very much appreciate that. But because of that, we've got quite a bit of newbies in here listening each week, and I thought I might take a minute to explain what this podcast is all about. So, I am on the far right. Make no mistake about it, I am not remotely ashamed of that. I know that far right carries with it this neo-Nazi, racial hierarchy, anti-immigrant label, and there certainly are people who identify, incorrectly I would argue, but who identify as far right who fit that mold. Okay, the number of those people is drastically overestimated by the media, but they are out there. Okay, but my definition of far right is all about freedom. It's about being on the farthest end of the governmental power spectrum available. The end that is precisely opposite of communism. Okay, I am for the free market. I am for a 0% income tax. I am for monumental cutdowns on government spending, including defense, intelligence, entitlements, subsidies, and an abolition of the Federal Reserve. Okay, I have the option to engage with private business. They have to solve a problem for me. They have to compete with other companies in that industry, and they have to convince me to trade my hard-earned money for the product or service that they offer. Okay, and if I don't like the way that they treat their workers, or if I don't like the donations that they make to social causes, if I don't like the environmental impacts they impose, okay, then guess what? I don't have to engage with them. I don't have to buy their product, okay? I do not have that option with the government. If I don't support one of their bombing campaigns in the Middle East, then guess what? Tough shit. If I don't agree that the CIA should be overthrowing leaders all over the world and operating with virtual impunity, and that anyone who reports on their despicable actions like Julian Assange should be kept in solitary confinement and treated as a national traitor, well then guess what? Tough shit. Okay, if I don't want to pay for the, par- the, the Department of Education, the Department of Transportation, Department of Energy, Department of Commerce, Department of Treasury, if I don't think these entities are being responsible with their spending, and I'd like to stop paying them so much damn money, well, guess what? Tough shit. You either pay for these services, or men with guns come into your home, throw you in a cage, and seize all your assets. Okay, the state has a monopoly on violence and aggression. The government does not care how much money they spend because it's not their money. It's your money. Okay, the the government does not have to compete for your business because you have no option of whether or not to pay them. So we are anti-government here. Now, I am not an anarchist, even though some of my biggest influencers are what they refer to as ANCAPs, which are anarcho-capitalists. But I don't see it realistic enough to to privatize things like the fire department or roads or the military. And I do believe in the public school system. But I am well to the right of the Republican Party when it comes to the size and the scope of the federal government. And and obviously way farther to the right than the Democrats. But... um, You know, this podcast is all about breaking down the most important issues today through a libertarian lens, okay? I will give a fair shake to the left where I see fit, but I'm here to give you the libertarian, limited government perspective on things from someone who sees the two-party system as a way to create a facade of tribalism between citizens when our real enemy is the state, okay? That's why I saw so many commonalities with the BLM crowd this summer. All right, I know a lot of you are cops or are friends of cops, and that's great. I'm sure you're a great guy, okay? But make no mistake, the police are the violent enforcement wing of the government. And because of that, their power should be looked at with an extremely critical eye. 
All right, and libertarians have quite a bit more in common with the BLM crowd than the mainstream media would have you believe, including, but not limited to, ending the drug war, ending civil asset forfeiture, ending no-knock raids, ending stop and frisk, and reducing prison sentences for nonviolent offenders. Now, I am certainly not, I am certainly opposed to an abolition of the police force because I can't think of a bigger incentive for companies to permanently leave an area and take all the jobs with them than removing its damn police force. Okay. But I do see a lot more similarities with the BLM crowd than Sean Hannity and Anderson Cooper would have you believe. Okay. But I promise I will do my best to give a fair shake to any side of an issue that is backed up with data and or sound reasoning, which is why I didn't just totally dismiss these QAnon guys uh, running around screaming about how the global elite elites are running a giant pedophile ring. And yeah, it sounds a little ridiculous, but then you hear things about Jeffrey Epstein. Okay. Then you hear about the number of elected officials and prominent donors who have been caught either in possession of child porn or of committing acts of sexual violence themselves. All right. You can check out my episode called, uh, stop having sex with children. If you need to catch up on that All right now, I'm not, I'm not saying that Hillary, Hillary Clinton is walking around eating adrenochrome. All right, and they're all sacrificing babies like effigies in the woods. But I do think this thing is a little bit more widespread than you may have been told. All right, and I'll tell you, some of the most damning evidence of this is how nobody, nobody talks about Dennis Hastert. Okay, Dennis Hastert was a Republican Speaker of the House from 99 to 2007, right? Speaker of the House, guys, third in line for President of the United States. Okay, and in 2015 gets indicted on several counts of child molestation. Okay, and in a time when the left and the right could not be more at odds and when character attacks couldn't be more common, nobody on the left talks about this. Okay, this isn't just some lobbyist who's got a few wealthy connections. He is the longest standing Republican Speaker of the House in history and goes down on serial child molesting. Crickets. Nobody wants to talk about it. Okay. At a time where polarization and scoring political points by denigrating opponents is at an all-time high. Go on Twitter. That's all they're doing. They're all just talking shit about each other. Nobody brings this up. Okay? Now, there could be several reasons for this. Sure. But you would be remiss to rule out the glaring possibility that Dennis ain't the only one walking around Washington who likes his meat a little on the rare side. Okay? I mean, you can, you can barely swing a stick in Washington and not hit a pedophile these days. I mean, Anthony Weiner was next in line to be the governor of New York, and he got two years in prison for shooting dick pics to a 15-year-old girl. Anthony Weiner was a married man, one of the most powerful voices in the world, and he's sending dick pics to an eighth grader. Okay, Bill Clinton, former president, wrote on Jeffrey Epstein's plane, what, 25 times? 25 times? What do you think, they're going to play checkers? Okay, no. M2 and Kevin Spacey are flying out kids from the Scripps National Spelling Bee to go on a little vacation. Okay? So, is everyone in Washington a sociopathic, power-hungry nymphomaniac with a fetish for 7th graders? No. But is there an astonishing number of elected officials who fit that very mold? Yes. Okay? So I'm not going to shy away from an issue just because the people who believe it have been labeled as crazy by the corporate media. Okay? And I'm not going to shy away from criticizing politicians just because a lot of you listeners may like them, okay, a.k.a. Donald Trump. Yes, he has done some good things, like exposing the corporate press's malfeasance and deception and calling out the military-industrial complex by name, which is huge, and appointing constitutionalist judges, 
okay, and becoming energy independent, all right, but, you know, we are on the side that is against the government. So fawning over him and treating him as some sort of godlike figure who can do no wrong spits in the face of everything you purport to stand for as a conservative or a libertarian. Okay, the guy made a 25% tariff on Irish goods, for Christ's sake. I mean, what about that says free trade? The guy passed some of the biggest spending bills ever created. What about that says limited government? Okay, the guy is physically incapable of taking responsibility for anything that does not turn out perfect in the end. Guy talks a big game about draining the swamp, and then he hires John Bolton and Steve Mnuchin. Okay, the guy talks about nepotism with the Clintons, and then hires his daughter and his son-in-law who have zero experience in government whatsoever. All right, so, you know, if you want someone to praise the ground that Donald Trump walks on, then please tune out now and go turn on Sean Hannity. Okay, because that's exactly what you're going to get over there. We call balls and strikes here. All right. And I tell you, I think one of the easiest ways to convince people to be more skeptical of the government is just teach them about the CIA. Okay, I've said this before. The CIA is a literal terrorist organization, and they have caused more destruction in this world than ISIS Okay, that is not an exaggeration. And I know this is going to sting a little bit because a lot of people on the right have this weird sycophantic relationship with the military and have somehow come to the conclusion that patriotism is, is, is tied to an unwavering support of any and all offensive measures by America. Okay, but I'm here to tell you that if you really loved your country, if you really wanted what's best for it, then you would never support the actions of the CIA over the last several decades, okay, some of which I'm about to describe. So, you know, I already told you about the CIA overthrowing Mossadegh in Iran back in the 1950s, which led to the decades-long chess match that eventually led to the, the uh, Iraq War. Okay, so if you haven't listened to the episode, The United States of War, please go check that out. But worry not, there was never a, sort of, a shortage of shitty actions conducted by the CIA. All right, so uh, after that, we got Operation Northwoods. That's a good one, right? This was the operation that was signed by the Joint Chiefs of Staff that included proposals for the CIA to conduct uh, false flag operations in Cuba as a means of justifying a U.S. invasion. All right, options included executing Cuban civilians, bombing the U.S. embassy, committing terrorist attacks in U.S. cities, shooting uh, shooting down empty U.S. planes, blowing up American ships, and more. Okay, the plan was to do something like this, blame Cuba, and then invade. The CIA was willing to kill innocent people as a way to trick the U.S. citizenry that they needed to send their brothers and their cousins and their sons to invade Cuba and overthrow Castro. Okay, the word conspiracy has a lot of negative connotations to it now, but this was absolutely conspiracy to commit war crimes. And it was signed by the Joint Chiefs of Staff. The highest levels of government were totally okay with this. Okay, and you know who rejected the proposal? JFK. Okay, and that, among other reasons, is why they shot him in the head. Allegedly. Um, Another one, the Gulf of Tonkin incident. This was the lie that sparked the Vietnam War. Okay, this is is an incredible story. So uh, the USS Maddox, it's a destroyer, a U.S. destroyer, was patrolling off the coast of Vietnam. Mind you, we are not at war with Vietnam at this point, even though we do have CIA operatives conducting reconnaissance missions there. Uh, But we are not at war, and we do not have permission to just be cruising around with a destroyer off the coast of a nation that is not ours. Okay, so understandably, North Vietnam is a little perturbed, okay, and sends out three ships to either attack the the Maddox or scare it off, which is exactly what America would have done if Vietnam was just chilling off the coast of Myrtle Beach with a damn battleship. 
Okay, so we fire three warning shots as we're retreating. They fire back with turret guns and, and a torpedo. Understandable. Okay, uh, we call in an airstrike uh, on the Vietnamese to boats and destroy them. And that day it's over. Okay, so that's the first one. And then two days later, all right, the Maddox is back out patrolling waters that are not ours with another U.S. destroyer, the Turner Joy. Okay, and suddenly they start seeing blips on their radars and they start firing in that direction blindly. Well, long story short, a bad storm had rolled in and the radar was actually picking up uh, the tops of big waves, not enemy ships. All right. And it was super foggy out, so we couldn't really see anything. And there were planes flying overhead, American planes, and uh, they're looking for the ships that we're shooting at. And there's just no ships. There's no ships out there. We're firing at waves. We're literally firing at waves. <laughs> and then, you know, word gets back to Washington that Vietnamese are on the attack. Okay. And then Congress grants Lyndon B. Johnson, who again took over for JFK after the CIA shot him in the face in Dallas, Texas. Again, allegedly. Uh, Congress grants LBJ the authority to, quote, take all necessary measures to protect U.S. forces in Vietnam. Okay. Which then led to the deaths of almost 60,000 Americans and over 3 million Vietnamese people. Well, thanks to the Freedom of Information Act and confessions from Robert McNamara, the acting defense secretary at the time, we now know that high-ranking officials in the CIA were fully aware that the second attack was a farce, was a total farce, and that they used it as a way to justify the invasion of Vietnam. 60,000 Americans and 3 million Vietnamese dead, all based on a lie. Okay, and even if it wasn't a lie, even if they did attack our ships, we were in their waters. We did not have permission to be in their country. Okay, they have every right to defend themselves. Just because you're a patriot doesn't mean you have to believe that everything America does is good. All right, like I said, what, what I mean, what would you do if North Korea starts patrolling with a battleship outside the coast of Florida? Okay, what would you expect us to do? All right, they lied us into war. All right, we cannot forgive them for that. And then. You know, how could you forget about Mid uh, Operation Midnight Climax? This is the one where the CIA had prostitutes lure men back to safe houses and drug them with LSD, after which they would be observed through a one-way glass to see what it did. Okay? Um, this is pretty amazing, I gotta admit. Okay, you, imagine that for a minute, man. It's 1954. You've had a rough week bathing in asbestos at work. You've already got stage four cancer. You don't even know it yet. Right? Your body is literally rotting from the inside out. It's a disaster. All you want to do is blow off a little steam with the boys after work, all right? Prostitutes aren't really my, my thing, I got to be honest, but hey, teach his own. I'm a libertarian. I'm not big on rules, but you go back to her place. It's about to go down. You're fired up, and then she hits you with LSD. You start traveling through time with a gang of demon elves with your cock in one hand and a pack of rubbers in the other, just so the CIA can, can see what it does. Okay, like you're some sort of lab rat. No consent, no, none of that whatsoever. Okay, it's horrible. All right, so the CIA is no friend of the working man. I can tell you that with absolute certainty. Right, the, Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, was actually involved in the CIA uh, LSD programs. All right, that's what made him go crazy. Okay, and that's, that's just a few examples. All right, they're also heavily at fault for what's going on in Libya and Syria, which I said I'll, I'll cover in their own episode. It's a lot of information, so um, I'll cover that in, in its own episode. Um and then remember when Trump started mouthing off about reigning in the intelligence communities uh, after he got elected in 2016 and Chuck Schumer got on TV and said how nobody messes with the intelligence community because, quote, they've got six ways from Sunday at getting back at you. 
Okay, that is not even remotely funny for the Senate minority leader to jokingly threaten the intelligence community's retaliation against a duly elected president is dangerous territory, buddy. All right? So that's what Necessary Evil is about in a quick nutshell, is exposing government-backed atrocities, shedding light on the advantages and the beauties of the free market, and calling out bullshit wherever we smell it. So please be sure to subscribe on Spotify or Apple Music, wherever you listen, and share this episode with a friend or two, and I will see you next time on Necessary Evil, where people are sovereign, where all government measures are enforced by the point of gun, and where state power is in direct conflict with individual liberty. Thanks a lot.